This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. It's time now for A Toast to You with the Sprayden Toastmasters Club. Welcome to A Toast to You, a program from Sprayden Toastmasters Club. Toastmasters is a program where we experience public speaking in a friendly learning environment, where we practice and learn communication and leadership skills. Welcome to another episode of A Toast to You, brought to you by your hosts, me, Jamie, and Pip, members at the Sprayden Toastmasters Club. The Sprayden Toastmasters Club meets at the Barrington Bowling Club at 290 Barrington Street, on the first and third Thursday of every month. And a huge thanks to Plains FM for letting us shoot the breeze and giving us this exciting opportunity to promote the wonderful world of Toastmasters, public speaking and everything in between. My name is Jamie Hobby and my co-host is Pip Young. G'day Pip, welcome back. Thank you, how are you? Good, how was your break? Oh, it was fabulous. It's February already. Oh, gosh, I can't believe it. I was just saying to Laura when we came in that another month has already passed. Um, and I imagine that you'll be checking your phone today, waiting, waiting, waiting. I'm going yes. to recoin the phrase, man and waiting, yeah. somewhere in your position. How excited are you? Yeah, expecting a baby any moment now. I think you were on standby to maybe do the show without me, right? <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> I just need to make it through the rest of the show, half an hour or something, and then we're absolutely fine. <laughs> and of course, we have an exciting guest with us today, which we will talk a little bit more about soon. But Pip, you might want to kick us off with word of the day. Awesome. So word of the day today comes from the Merriam-Webster website, which if anyone is interested in looking at interesting and fun words, is a great place to visit. The word of the day today is winsome, spelt W-I-N-S-O-M-E. So winsome means pleasing or cheerful. In a sentence, it sounds like, the interviewers all remarked on the candidate's winsome personality, which made her stand out among the other job applicants. So the idea of the word of the day is to incorporate it into the speech throughout the session, which is what we would ordinarily do in a Toastmasters meeting, and it will be identified by the ring of the bell. And the winner will get the coveted trophy that Jamie has very kindly provided. I appreciate this word is a little harder to incorporate because it's a little less ordinary, but we'll give it our best shot. Which brings me to introducing our winsome guest of the day. This guest has been a Toastmaster for an amazing 16 years. He is a distinguished Toastmaster, which is no easy feat and involves hours of commitment. He has had many roles over his years, including at national level. I'm not sure if any of you saw the Toastmasters ads on the back of the bus, but that was this guy. He is the longest standing member of uh, Sprayton Toastmasters and has the most amazing ability to be able to captivate an audience with a sense of humour and has placed at national contents, uh, sorry, contests because of this. Uh, he's stood for Parliament twice and has a long history of community involvement. My introduction doesn't do him justice, but as time is of the essence, and without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to none other than the Basil Muscovis. Oh, pleasure to be here. Thanks Pip and Jamie, on. it's always wonderful to be on the radio. Thanks for coming along. I believe we're going to have the privilege of listening to one of your winsome pieces of literature today. That's just because I like preempted it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so I would like to introduce Basil Moscovis with his speech titled Fifty Shades of Mills and Boone. Their first kiss was unlike anything Sarah had ever expected of a kiss. It left her feeling as if a thunderbolt had come hurtling out of the sky and passed so close that it scorched her. And when his violent mood changed to one of gentleness and tenderness that melted her bones, she knew this was the moment for which she had been destined. Plains listeners, Jamie, Pip, ladies and gentlemen, that is classic Mills and Boone. Forget Fifty Shades of Grey. When it comes to truly classical, carnal and cliched erotic fiction, no one does it better than Mills and Boone. Why? The answer is simple. Women. Millions of women across the globe have been entranced by Mills and Boone fiction books. Reaching into their handbags or to their bookshelves to spend a few hours transported into the fantasy world of danger, passion and romance. Mills and Boone books sell in the UK one every three seconds. In fact, in the past 50 years, Mills and Boone characters have undergone 10,325 weddings, 29,500 kisses, and 35,250 hugs. We're not clear on the status of hanky-panky, however. Mills and Boone books have reasonably simple plots, but they have one all books have one underlying theme. They have a male character and a female character. Now, the male characters tend to be handsome, rich, powerful, and they're likely to be plantation owners, shipping tycoons, media magnates. They're not likely to be apprentice butchers at Aranui Pack and Save. These characters also tend to have character flaws while the female characters tend to be young and beautiful and desirable and have little or no experience of men. But most importantly, they have to be able to, they have to anguish and struggle with their innermost emotions, battle their raging and conflicting desires. I have to get them out of my mind, but I can't find the exit. And female readers just love it. They lap it up. And... That is the success for Mills and Boone books. Men's view on Mills and Boone books, however, tend to be a little different. How many men out in the radio world, put your hands up if you like, tend to read Mills and Boone books on a regular basis? I don't see many hands going up. In fact, the only way you're likely to see a man buying a Mills and Boone's book from a bookstore is generally under duress and that is where their wives and partners have threatened, have told them to go and get it and have threatened to withdraw certain privileges if there is non-compliance. However, let's just take this scenario. A man walking into a, a bookstore to buy a Mills and Boone's book. He walks in, eyes down, scanning around the room. He goes up to the counter. Uh, excuse me, uh, could I have a Mills and Boone book, please? Actually, where are they first? Oh, yes, sir. It's that whole left wall of the building over there. 
do you have any particular one you would like? Uh, desires of passion. Oh, it's your lucky day, sir. We can do a three-in-one special today. You can get all the books in the series and a box covered with I Love Mills and Boone bag for it, sir. Oh, uh, okay. I'll, I'll buy the book uh, then. And of course, when with that, we'll even give you a complete carry bag as well. Oh, you want it in a brown paper bag? <laughs> I see. <laughs> you get the idea. Men don't necessarily want to be parading around carrying Mills and Boone books. I have my own personal experiences of Mills and Boone. I remember when I was in the third form, or year nine as nowadays, where I was sitting in an English class and we had to, we were, we were, we were able to pick books and we had to write a review on them. And I was sitting near the front and there was a girl directly behind me and she was looking at a Mills and Boone book. And our, my, our teacher came in behind her and, and I quote, he said, the problem with Mills and Boone's books are at some places you have to close your eyes and read quickly. And of course that got my interest up immediately. And then there's my friend Ian. Now Ian is a minister today, but he wasn't always a minister. And he's, he was a nice lad and of course, like all nice boys in the pre-internet era, the only way one could view and read about love and relationships and the like was in either glossy magazines with centrefolds, which had apparently very good articles, and of course erotic fiction books. Now Ian found this particularly compelling book he wanted to read and he moved heaven and earth to be able to get hold of it and of course being uh, diligent he was able to get hold of it and read the book. A couple of weeks later he was sitting at home uh, and he saw a Mills and Boone's book sitting on the on his the desk at home and because his sister always used to reads them avidly so he picks up this book and he is blown away. He cannot believe that he went to so much trouble to get hold of these other books when these Mills and Boone books had more than enough contact to keep him interested as a teenage boy. However, not all Mills and Boone books are like that, of course. But these particular ones certainly gained his attention. But wait, there's more. Mills and Boone books can be used for other purposes. The M6 toll-free road in Birmingham, in the UK, it's 26 mile long, six-lane motorway. They used two and a half million copies of Mills and Boone book novels that were acquired and then pulped at a recycling firm in South Wales. Then they were used for the top layer for the motorway. No doubt for the female speed readers to make their trips more enjoyable. In conclusion, ladies and gentlemen... Women enjoy Mills and Boone books. They just love the escapism, the romance, and why not? More power to them. But there is a lesson in here for men. Men, because women love romance so much, there is introduce some more romance into your own relationships because that way you may end up becoming the main character in your own Mills and Boone book. Thank you. <laughs> well done. Well done. Oh, that's brilliant. What a win winsome speech. <laughs>
Nice. I'm glad you enjoyed it. What was the inspiration for that speech? Well, I like doing humorous speeches. And, of course, one of the beauties about something like Mills and Boone is it's an opportunity to uh, have, poke a little bit of fun at, at, at Mills and Boone, at relationships, at men and women's relationships. And it's always a fertile ground for, you know, for comedy. And, and it's just simply a case of taking an ability an ex- exaggeration and just exagger- exaggerating the truth somewhat. But a lot of what I said is actually true in that speech, but it's the way you put it together and the way you say it, and it just makes it entertaining. Yeah, it does. It comes across really well. It's like real life TV is like real life book. <laughs> Not. So that that speech does that have a have a history? Have you, you have you used that anywhere? In yes, yeah, I've won a couple of contests with it over the years, uh, and but yeah, it's just just one of my repertoire of entertaining speeches. I actually dug one up the other day called the shocking his the shocking truth of electrical history, and it's uh, it's one I did ten years ago, and I thought I would bring it out of retirement and use it again at a, <laughs> at a meeting title. or two. So like a, like a, um, yeah, like a stand-up comedian or something, you've just got to well, back, back Well, yes, the difference between doing a speech and stand-up comedy is, is a speech has a beginning, a, a body, and a conclusion, yeah. while stand-up comedy is just a collection of one-liners, which sort of fall together in a nice little story, yes. but... but an actual speech is is not stand up comedy as much as I would like to try stand up comedy, yeah. but yes, they're not the same. Although they do cross over, is the best way I can. You know, say. there's I think there's at least one place in Christchurch that you can that you can give that a go. They've just got the they've got a place. I think it's down um, somewhere somewhere in the city. You can actually yeah rock up on a certain yeah, day of the week. I, yeah, I heard that there used to be one down at the Court Theatre or something. Yeah, and uh, you go and it's late at night and you wander in and you you do your yours. You're set, if you like, about five minutes. So I have looked into it, but I haven't actually bitten the bullet. You have to keep us posted on that. I'd love to. I'd love to know. Love in to attendance. Hear how, hear how that goes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure I could find some material. So, Basil, we'd love to pick your brains around your Toastmasters journey, and could you? We've talked a little bit about you know your level of experience. Uh, you like your home club, and um, and maybe even if you could tell us about your first day, if you remember, it would be pretty pretty fun. All right. Okay. Well, it was a long time ago. I think I it was in 1986 when I first joined Toastmasters. Wow. But I've had I had I've had. When I, that was in Ashburton initially, and I had some periods in and out of Toastmasters. It wasn't until 2012 when I've been a c- consistent member, but overall it comes to about 16 years of membership. But my first day was it was quite a, an eye-opener because I was at that, at that time I was quite interested in politics, and since I was never going to win any literal prizes, prizes on literature, I thought I could at least be able to deliver good speech and content. So I had a, a motivation to go and improve my speaking and I couldn't and the level of of speeches and the having to learn do table topics, which is basically speaking impromptuly, and all those type of skills were just so valuable that I really threw my energies into it and, and I learnt a lot over that time. But yes, uh, Toastmasters back then and Toastmasters now 
although it's the same sort of program, there is a little bit different. When I joined, there was only about one woman member in the club, okay. and that was when women were only starting to be in, starting to be able to join Toastmasters because it used to be a male preserve for many, many years. But now most of the members, or as many members, there's as many women as there are men, which was never the case 20 or 25 years ago. So, you know, it's great. I didn't actually know that. Yeah, yeah. And so that was that was then and your motivation then. Mm-hmm. And listeners would have just heard the confidence in your voice in giving that speech, and we we hear that when we when we hear you speak at um, at Toastmasters too. What do you do? What do you do with those skills now? What do I do with them now? Well, I I'm, I used to work heavily in sales and customer service for many years, so but where I, I occasionally try to speak publicly, I've been asked to speak at at events and educationals and things over the years, yeah. but I don't actually actively promote myself, although I do have a website which I haven't activated. <laughs> <laughs> when the, the, the week after you do stand-up comedy, you should, you should hit that one off as well. Uh, <laughs> yes, well, like I say, I do it for enjoyment, but I also really enjoy being able to help people learn and develop their own skills yeah. because I've met, gained a lot from Toastmasters over the years. Not just confidence, but the ability to... Well, it is confidence, but it's the skills that go with it that build that confidence, being how to construct a speech, understanding the different types of speeches, understanding what you're trying to achieve with the purpose of each speech. Because one of the things that you find when you start, you're just happy to put the words together and do a speech. But as you go along, you start looking at the different types of speeches and how and what emotions or skills or what you're trying to convey in each message, like an inspirational speech may be humorous, but it's got a pretty sound message in it. Or it can be totally inspirational, or it can you can have a humorous speech. There's educational type speeches, all these types of things. You 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 learn how to to construct all these things over the years, and it only comes from practice. And you know, it's like anything. If you're prepared to put time and commitment in, you will gain the skills because speaking is a learnt skill. Anyone can learn to be an effective public speaker. But if you don't practice and if you don't put yourself out there, it's like learning to use a, a tool. If you don't use the tool regularly, how, well, for your sculpting, how do you expect to be able to sculpt something if you don't practice and use it all the time? Speaking is just the same. You can learn it. And of course, some personalities may be more predisposed to it than others. But having said that, Anyone can learn if they have the desire. And Toastmasters just gives a perfect platform for that, right? Like That's right. You don't have to. You don't have to be with Toastmasters for sixteen years and no. and, and want to do stand up mm. comedy. It can <laughs> it can grow a base skill, kind of. I've seen people. I can say if people were genuinely committed, I can you can see real growth after six months, and you can. See, I've seen people who've been literally petrified and couldn't speak for more than. 10 to 15 seconds when they get up and then within six months because they've put the effort in are able to deliver proper speeches and have in their skills and yeah. that develop so within a year if you're committed you can really improve your public speaking 
and that's and that's just it. Toastmasters. And that's just a Toastmasters. Imagine what's happening for them outside, outside well, those doors. Well, often there's reasons people come to Toastmasters. It could be to improve English as a second language. It could be because often it's because they've got advancement at work and they'll be doing a lot more presentation to work colleagues or, or people in sales who are doing presentations. And all these motivating factors bring people along to Toastmasters and there they can learn those skills and those who persevere find that it has real benefits in their everyday life not just at the Toastmasters club and I think like like a couple of years a year and a so ago I was asked to give an educational speech at a political conference to all the candidates and the MPs and cabinet ministers that were there and it was because I had had previous political experience and could relate to the issues that they faced and how to do speeches. I'd only spoke for 15 minutes, but when you see cabinet ministers sitting down there writing notes about what you're saying, you know that you've, you're definitely hitting a note and a need. And no matter how skillful you are, you can always get better. <laughs> Yeah, and it's one of those things I can see you can accelerate or um, as fast as you want, like you say, those people that put the commitment in will achieve a lot a lot quicker. And um, that kind of brings me to the thing around about dual, dual memberships because you're a, a member of two different clubs, aren't you? Yes, that's right. So you can get more out of... Um, well, I can, I can do more, but I, generally what I'm finding now is I'm spending a lot more time evaluating people's speeches, less time doing my own because... It's like everything. If you're in something long enough, you have peaks and troughs. But at the moment, I, I really do enjoy evaluating other people's speeches and, and encouraging them and giving people advice about how to develop their own speaking skills. And that's something we really value at Sprayden when you, when you come along in a role that we have, which is general evaluator. And that's something that we often ask you to do because it allows you to uh, conclude the meeting and provide feedback on everybody who hasn't received feedback already in the night, which is such a valuable, you know, piece of feedback to to get because you know that means that everybody that's done something that night, except for you, uh, gets <laughs> gets feedback, and you're really good at it. So we we all we all value and appreciate that that role that you play at our yeah, club. Well, yes, it's basically all the office holders, the people who have gotten up to speak, the introducers, the the evaluators, the toastmaster, all those people are given feedback by the general evaluator to help improve them. But, of course, in giving advice or guidance to someone else, everyone should be learning yeah. because they can see things that were done well and things that could be improved on, so then they can apply those things to their own Yes, yeah, it's, it's a great cycle, isn't it? It's one of the first things that, um, that stood out when I, when I joined. Uh, just before we, before we wrap up, I didn't realise that you were responsible for those ads on the back of, back of the bus. That was, that was literally the, the thing that got me to Toastmasters. Was, I was sitting in a car one day, saw the, saw the ad on the back of the bus. It's great now that I've met, met the man who's responsible for those ads <laughs> and, and saw it, made a mental note, and then, and then, and then joined up, joined up oh, next week. Well, that, that's, that's great because uh, the role that I had at national level was called the club growth director. And, that, and my job was responsible for promoting of new clubs and promotion and publication throughout the country. And the back of the bus campaigns were in Christchurch. We had billboard campaigns in a lot of other cities, yes. as well as that we managed to 
you know, increased the membership and then COVID hit and that sort of changed everything. Yeah, yeah, I, I bet. <laughs> but I but bet. Uh, having said that, it was a great time. I got to fly to Denver to the national, the international convention. I awesome. saw the world speaking, the, the world's championship of world public speaking and uh, heard some of the most amazing educational speakers through in the States come and talk to, to the convention. And it was a great learning experience. So, but you know, it was once again, it was a learning experience. Every no, it doesn't matter what level at Toastmasters you participate in, you have the opportunity to learn and grow. And of course, the higher up you go, the more opportunity to learn different skills, mainly leadership skills. Awesome. Well, it's been great to hear a little bit more about you. Uh, Pip, how did we get on with word of the day? I, I suspect not, not great. <laughs> no, it wasn't great. And I'm sure that's just because it was an unusual word, but I think we've got one each, so we're <laughs> cutting we're in half. <laughs> okay, all right. We're one hand on the trophy each for, 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 for a month. Well, it brings us to the end of our show. Huge thanks to you, Basil, for coming along, giving up your time, delivering a speech, which Pip and I haven't uh, had since we've, we've been on the show. So that's that's been great, and hopefully you've enjoyed yourself. Oh, thank you very much. I, I, I always enjoy coming on to the radio and passing on what I've been given, really. Yeah, it's great. Much appreciated. Thank you. So, Pip and I just want to say thanks to all of our listeners, whether you're listening to this on Plains FM or one of the thousands who downloaded our podcast last year. Thanks for listening, and we hope you've had a great start to 2022. The best time to join Sprayed and Toastmasters was yesterday. Look up Sprayed and Toastmasters on Facebook, Instagram, or search for us online and come along to a meeting. You won't regret it. Until next time, stay safe and see you next month.